Praise Lord. Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 12. This is a message uh, I like. I like when uh, occasionally the Lord will wake me up and give me a message and tell me to go back to sleep. So Thursday that happened early in the week for me. And the Lord just kind of woke me up and said, yep, that's it. Go back to bed. And uh, so I like that. Um, title of my message is Fatherly Correction. I want you to really think about that. Fatherly Correction. Hebrews chapter 12 says, and listen real carefully, this is a very critical message in our faith. If we don't, if we don't get this message, we'll really struggle with life. And we'll struggle especially with the hardship of life. How many have ever struggled with the hardship of life? And this will tell you a lot about it and will help us a lot in that area. It says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you, listen to this, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, in fact, what he's doing there is he's quoting the Old Testament in Proverbs chapter 3. He's saying, have you forgotten this scripture from the Old Testament in your struggles? And so he's trying to remind us and encourage us with it. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his child, as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, everyone, you see that, or all, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us as for, for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline, listen to this, seems pleasant at the time. That's an understatement. But it is painful, however, it produces a harvest of what? Righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees and make level paths for your feet so that the time, so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you speak this message, Lord God, in spite of me, Lord. Uh, let your um, love shine through it, Lord God. Let your um, let us have a good sense of uh, reality, Lord God, and help us in life through this, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. All right. So I've titled this Fatherly Correction. And obviously, God is saying here that He disciplines us, and then He uses a harsher word that says He chastens us. What do you think chastens means? Like, sometimes you just get disciplined. Maybe it's a stern look, or a stern word, or a word of direction. But occasionally, how many have ever been chastened with a good old rod? (laughs) And so I want you to think about this for a minute because he's quoting an Old Testament scripture. Don't take lightly when God disciplines you or chastens you. And so I want you to begin to think when God gave you a physical spanking. I don't know anybody that's ever been physically spanked by God. Right? This may have happened at some point. I don't know. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I said, I had just never seen anybody have God come down from heaven and literally spank their rear end, right? 
Now, a lot of people, a lot of us, me, myself, could have used it probably. So we've got to figure out when it talks about God disciplining us and chasing us, how is he doing it? Because we're not to take it lightly and we're also not to get angry and run away from it. And we're supposed to respect him for it because that's what we would do with a good father, is respect them for it. So we got to think to ourselves, how does God discipline? And we'll get to that as we move along. I'm not going to answer now. You could probably answer it yourself. Better that you think about it. But he's not talking about getting a rod and coming down and spanking us, right? So there's got to be some form of discipline. There's got to be some form of chastening that God uses. And we've got to be very aware of it because if we're not, this scripture actually says we won't even recognize it. And we'll think something else of it. Okay? And it goes on and it says, um, Have you completely forgotten? Verse 5. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? So the purpose of Hebrews chapter 12 in these verses is don't ever forget that he's your father and you're his son or daughter. In fact, he addresses sons and daughters in that scripture. And he's saying, have you forgotten? And he's writing this letter. It's it's helpful to know context. Like, why is he writing the letter? What is it for? And if you understand the book of Hebrews, you realize he's writing it to uh, Jewish people that have accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And this book um, is in a period of time where the Jewish people that rejected the Messiah are aggressively persecuting Christians. So maybe written even in the period in Jerusalem, written to those Hebrews, but it's written to Hebrews that are being very heavily persecuted by Jews, and actually it would be easier for them just to remain Jewish. And so the whole book is about how superior Christ is to the Old Testament, the way they did things. The priest is superior to the priesthood we had in the Old Testament. You know, his sacrifice is superior to the sacrifices we had in the Old Testament. And so he's trying to explain to these Christians who were previously um, only did, didn't, didn't accept the Messiah, and now they've accepted. He's trying to explain to them, now you have the additional burden of being persecuted and going through hardship because they're making your life miserable. And so he's explaining to them a word of encouragement. And so he says, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement? Now understand what encouragement means. We uh, sometimes think of the word encouragement as kind of a fluffy word, right? A word that um, doesn't necessarily incite strength all the time. It's like, oh yeah, they're going to encourage me because I'm weak and this and that. But the word, if you look at it, is courage in. It's really the word courage, and it's saying it's being put in you. And so the word of encouragement is, you're going through hardship right now, really hard times, Difficult times, times you don't understand. And right here is where we place our hard times. We say, man, why is everything so hard? How many have ever been on the ship called hard? That's hardship, right? And it can be anything. It can be financial situations. It can be personal problems. It could be personal addictions. It could be, you know, coworkers. It could be almost anything that causes you hardship and you say to yourself, why is life so hard? And so that's the group of people that he's writing to, us, hardship. And he's saying, haven't haven't you forgotten the word that puts courage in you, that makes you strong during hardship? And the word is, it addresses you as a father addresses his son. So he's reminding you of this scripture that says, hey, I'm your father, and you're my son or you're my daughter, and this is what hardship means to you. Okay? And so he's given an explanation here. It says, and then he quotes, Proverbs says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he corrects you. These are two opposites. One is you make light of it. All right? One is you say to yourself, well... 
You know, everybody has hardship, and you. How many have ever went through hardship and just completely disconnected that from God or faith? How many have ever done that? You get up in the morning, and you, it's really cold, and you got to be somewhere, and your car doesn't start. Right? We generally don't associate that with God. You have hardship in your life, and all these difficult things are happening in your life, and we don't normally stop and say, wait a minute, I'm going to associate this with faith. And you say, well, man, I wish all this stuff, and I know some of you have said this because I have. If I didn't have all these hard things in my life, I could work on my faith. Who ever said that? If things were going really well, then maybe I could really get something done with my faith. And what we don't realize is the Father controls everything that happens in our lives. And there's got to be some way that God can discipline and chasten because I already told you, I've never seen a person have God spank him with a stick or, or a belt or a uh, whatever your paddle looked like when you were little. All right? And so God is not going to come down and do that. So what manner... What way does he use to actually discipline us and chasten us? And he's perfecting righteousness through it. So shouldn't we start associating? We'll see where the discipline's coming from in verse 7, okay? Don't cheat and look ahead. I'm going I'm to gradually unravel it, all right? But there's two ways to look at it. You can make light of it, not even associate it with God, or you can lose heart. I mean, no, there are a lot of people that lost heart. Things went bad and they were like, God, you don't even love me. How many were one of those people that when you got a spanking, you went to the corner and you said, nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I'm the only one that ever did that, right? All right. And you, there's a feeling there. There's a disorientation. There's no perspective, right? How many agree? If, if you have a loving parent, I'm not talking about abuse, okay? Make sure that nobody understands I'm talking about abuse. That's a whole different thing, okay? And that's an evil thing and a wicked thing. But I'm talking about a loving parent who disciplines you, and there's disorientation. You don't have any recognition at that moment that they love you. In fact, you'll go in a corner and say, they don't love me. And the Bible says that we are not to lose heart whenever we're disciplined. Now, how many have ever had a hardship? This is probably just me again, too. How many have ever had a hardship and said, God doesn't love me? Why would you let this happen to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And there's no association whatsoever with my faith and what I'm going through, the hardship. And so God wants to address that in Hebrews here. Because they're going through hardship. They're going through difficult times. They're losing heart. It would be easier for them just to go back to not trusting Jesus and go back to Judaism. They wouldn't be bothered. They wouldn't be persecuted. They wouldn't be teased. They wouldn't be... How many think that they were going through a lot? I mean, they were not only being teased and persecuted, they were being murdered. I mean, they were literally being killed for their faith. Uh, there was such a hatred, you know, and, and you sense the hatred. You know, we, we have it in our society for Christians at this moment. Uh, but, but I love the fact that he starts off the, the portion there with, uh, you haven't, uh, you haven't had to stand up to where your blood's been drawn yet. <laughs> okay. You haven't, had, in fact, the exact words were, um, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So he's telling them, Hey, some have actually shed their blood, but you haven't done that yet. This is hardship. So he goes on and he says, um, This is just a short little phrase, four words, but it says, in verse 7, it says, Endure hardship as, and this hurts, this hurts. Endure hardship. Let's stop there. Let's not even get to the next one. Endure hardship. Okay, I'm in a hardship right now. I can't pay my utility bill. can't pay my rent. I'm having problems with my car. I'm having trouble with relationships. Um, I'm having all kinds of problems. That's hardship. He says endure that as what? Discipline. So this answers the question, how does God discipline us and chasten us? Through hardship. 
You say, well, that's stupid. That's so dumb. Why would, that, that doesn't make any sense. Why don't you just give us a spanking? You know, why don't you just send us to our room? But it's very clear here that we're to endure hardship as God's discipline. And you know what I've learned about hardship? It brings out all the terrible things that are in my heart. It brings out all my doubts. It brings out all my fears. It brings out all my anxieties. Hardship brings out the worst in you. And remember, I, I, in fact, I almost preached this sermon again this morning, but you remember the sermon I preached on the uh, refining fire where he'd have to heat you up, pull you out, scrape off all of the impurities that got burnt up, put them back in, heat them up, and every temperature that they would raise it was a different kind of impurity. And so this is what God's doing through hard times. Hardship is He's building character in us. In fact, you say, well, that has nothing to do with the training you do with a child. Really? Do you know if you have a loving mother or father and you discipline them, every good character quality that that child has, they usually can attribute to their training. And they hate it at the time. They don't think anybody loves them at the time. They think that dad or mom hates them at the time, right? But enduring hardship is how God disciplines us and produces. I remember the word he says, righteousness. Boy, that's harsh. That, that, that's hard. It's hardship. Okay, hardship. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. And we'll see who's subjected to it. You say, well, man, if it's only Christians, I don't want it. You know, but let's go on. Deuteronomy 8, 2, and 3. Let me read you this real quick. See what God ha- why God brings hardships. You know, it was kind of weird. This is Moses recalling in Deuteronomy when they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, and he's recalling how they behaved. And so he gives us a, a reason why he brings hardship. All right. How many think it would have been much better? A lot of us think this because we question the discipline tactics of our father, right? Oh, one, one question I didn't ask before I get into that: Do you have a heavenly father? If he's not allowed to discipline you, and he's not allowed to correct you, and you get angry and you're mad at God every time he does it, do we have a heavenly father? Because you know one thing I don't do? I don't discipline other people's kids. I don't. I don't take other people's kids and spank them. Or I don't do the level of discipline with other people's kids. And so, do you have a Heavenly Father? And do you trust Him to discipline you? And if discipline is hardship then why do we not trust Him when we go through it? I'm asking me this. I'm saying, Chad, why? <laughs> but in Deuteronomy 8, 2, and 3, He says, Remember, there's that word again. Moses says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you, and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep His commands, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither of your ans- neither you nor your ancestors had ever known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How many think it would have been better to lead Him out of the wilderness and just give Him no struggle, no hardship? There's a world, and maybe maybe when I was young and not more mature in the Lord, maybe I would have thought that was better. How many people think it's logical to think, preserve them so perfectly through the wilderness that they never thirst, they never hunger, everything is given to them? Well, you're starting to see the picture of this kid that's grown up in this household. Anybody ever seen a kid that's gotten everything? No discipline? Give me everything. As soon as I 
cry a little bit and my pacifier falls out of my mouth. Just give me whatever I want. And then you say, well, that's cute. But what if they're like 18? And they're still crying and trying to get everything to them. And I'm telling you right now, you don't want to be a Christian that's every time something happens, God just shows up at your doorstep. Says, here it is. Sounds good. Sounds right. If you listen to some preachers on TV, they'll confirm that it's right. But it's, the problem is it's just not biblical. It's not how God does things. And I'll show you in a minute some of the people that he loved. Some sons that undeniably were loved by God, and I'll show you how he treated them. And you'll realize that God doesn't spoil his kids. He doesn't give them everything they want. He made them thirst, made them hunger because he wanted to see what was in their heart and if they would trust him. Wow. Because that's how God disciplines. He didn't spank them in the wilderness. He made them thirsty, made them hungry, didn't provide their needs for a period to see if they would trust him. Because he's trying to build people that have character. People that trust God through anything. And so as we go along here, what attitude does the Bible say we should have in hardship? Well, the Bible's pretty clear, and this is a tough step to take, right? How many have ever been joyful after a good old-fashioned spanking? It's like, um, now I will say this, my, my kids have their mom's kindness and more of her goodness. And so many times when I've spanked them, I'll ask them, you know, you know why I'm doing this? Yes, I understand totally. And they're very like understanding and easy and docile. I mean, just easy to deal with. It wasn't like I was. I I haven't been paid back yet. But very rarely when you get spanked and you're crying and you're, you know, you're like, oh, that was awful. Do you have joy? It's hard to find that emotion at that moment. But the Bible, 1 Peter 1.6 says, In all of this greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You see the joy he's saying to express in trials? I mean, this is like a major step of maturity. This is like the child saying, you know what, I hate the spanking, but in retrospect, I understand my future will be much better that I will be a good man or a good woman. Can you imagine a kid having that level of maturity? Well, this is what God's asking us to do. God's asking us to have a level of maturity that, like, I'm so happy that I have a dad that spanks me. Thank you. And, if, and should I ever need it again, do that again. Okay? How many think that's mature for a kid to say that? <laughs> and, and, and then it says in James 1, 2, it says, Consider it pure joy. Not just joy. You're pushing it here, James. Pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, see, they know something that we're not remembering. That is that we have a father, and the way that he disciplines us is through hardship, the way that he builds character. Because God has plans and purposes, not just for us in this world. I mean, you know, every day he's got something he's trying to do through us for other people. And the only way he can train us to have the character to do what he's called us to do, is to discipline us. That's what you do with the sports team, right? You discipline them to get fruit out of it. Same thing you do with child rearing, you discipline them to get fruit out of it. And God wants to use you in this world to reach the world, and he has to discipline us through hardship in order to reach the world. And you say, well, man, is it just for this world? Because I'm kind of old and I don't have many years left, and I don't want hardship. But do you realize he's also training us for eternity? We're going to rule and reign with Christ. Nothing is more spoke of than the millennial reign of Christ and us ruling and reigning with Christ with people on this earth still. And so how are we going to be qualified to do that if we haven't been in training? We're like a prince in a palace, the Bible says, and princesses in the palace. They're training. They're being molded to rule. That's what we are. We're being trained to rule and do God's will here and in the world to come. Isn't that exciting? Why should I endure it this way? 
Isn't it okay for me to cry and pout and throw a fit and stomp out of the room and be defiant? By the way, I was um, not a Christian kid, and I was defiant. You couldn't spank me. You couldn't get me to listen. They would spank me, and I'd say, it doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. There's nothing you can do that's going to hurt me. And I would bear it. And my brother, he's not here today so I can say it, he would, the slightest lash, there were tears flowing. And they'd say, you're done. And then me, I'd take them. (laughs) I brought more on myself and more on myself. And so why should we endure it in a non-defiant way? Because you know, some people do their Christian walk that way. Every time they have a hardship, right? All hope is lost. Everything's wrong. God is bad. I hate God in this moment. Um, They don't want to trust God. They don't trust that God has a purpose in the hardship. And so all you see is spiritual pouting, spiritual stomping of the feet, spiritual defiance. And when you're defiant and you're stomping your feet and you're angry, you know what you won't do? You won't appreciate discipline and you won't learn anything from discipline. And so we need to understand, we need to not forget that God loves His children and He disciplines us and circumstances have come upon us and sometimes all we can say is, Well, the devil's done this, and the devil's done that, and Satan's done this, and Satan's done that. Well, maybe God has allowed things so he can test to see what's in your heart and discipline you. You say, well, what's he trying to get rid of in me? There's nothing wrong with me. That's the first thing he's trying to get rid of. There's a lot of things wrong with me, and a lot of things wrong with you, and God will bring people and circumstances into your life Remember this, brings it to the surface. Chad, there's still a little bit of that in you. Still a lot of that in you and still a lot of this in you. Do, Do you understand that God is going to show you exactly what it is and if we love the Lord and we love His discipline, we understand His discipline, we'll apply ourselves to the challenge. And And I'm going to tell you the challenges sometimes are getting harder and harder because He loves you. And you're special, and He really wants to use you. And you say, well, why is it getting harder and harder? Shouldn't it get easier and easier? I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing the right thing. But He's got to take that temperature a little higher. There's certain things inside of you He can't get rid of. It's things that you've been praying for Him to get rid of. You're like, hey, get rid of this. He's like, okay, turn the oven up. (laughs) You say, well, Chad, it's so deep-seated. It's been with me so long. Turn the oven up. You've got to have a certain temperature to get certain things. And if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God during hardship, He can take everything out of that heart and train you to be used by Him. In fact, do you know that God doesn't want to take your strength? If I'm training horses, okay, and I'm out there and I've got this wild bronco and I'm trying to break him, right, and I want to put a, I want to put a harness on him, I want to put a saddle on him, You know, I'm not trying to get rid of his strength. I need his strength. That's the purpose of trying to break him. Because all his strength is his own now. But if I break him, I can harness his strength and use it for something good. And how many know he's not trying to break you? He's not trying to take your strength. He's trying to harness it and be used for the right thing. If you keep running wild, how's he ever going to harness you? How's he ever going to use your strength for something good? So I want to have an attitude. In fact, the question was, what should I, why should I endure it this way? Because it says, everyone undergoes discipline. Now see, this makes things complicated. It'd be nice if it was just Christians that endured discipline. But the Bible says all or everyone endures discipline. It's just some have a dad and some don't. It says if you can endure your father's discipline and you run away from it, 
Then he said, you're like a child that doesn't belong to me. Because remember, I'm not disciplining other people's children. I'm disciplining the ones that are my own. And people would get very upset if I were spanking their children, okay? And God's saying, if I'm your father, if you love me and you realize that I love you, in fact, he goes on right after this and he says, hey, you've had earthly fathers. They were imperfect. They didn't do it perfectly. How many know we're all earthly fathers and we fail dramatically? As, as, as hard as we try to do it exactly right, we all fail and we don't have the depth of love that God has for His children. And you can look at God and you can say, well, God, that's harsh. Why do you do it that way? Why do you do it this way? Because He's a perfect Father and He has perfect love for us. We fail, like he says in the scripture. Earthly fathers fail, but he says, even with them, this hurts. You respect them. So what he's saying is, I'm going to interpret this, okay? Why don't you respect me? God's saying, why don't you respect me when you go through hardship? And here's the reason. He gets into it a little bit here. Let me go on. God has perfect training. In fact, it says here, let me read a couple of different versions of this. Here's the Amplified. This is a way too verbose for anybody, too much language in the, the Amplified, right? But you'll get the picture. It says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy. But it seems grievous and painful, but afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. To those who have been trained by it, a harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness and conformity to God's will and purpose, thoughts and actions, result in right living and right standing with God. That's amplified. NLT says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful, but afterward there will be a quiet harvest of right living for those who have been trained in this way. Another version says, Yet when all of this is over, we can see that it has quietly produced the fruit of real goodness in the character of those who have accepted it with the right spirit. Let me ask you something. Have you accepted hardship with the right spirit ever? I think it's possible that there are Christians that have never accepted hardship with the right spirit. I think there are some that have a few times. I think there are some that are doing it more than they ever have. I think there are some that are really mature that always do. They're always accepting hardship and understanding that, hey, this is going to produce character in me. And so we need to evaluate where are we at on that scale. If he's our father and, and, and the fact that I let him and discipline me makes him my father, <laughs> do we have a heavenly father? And so he wants to produce goodness in us. He wants to build character in us. He wants to use us. And get this, he wants to really bless us. But who would bless a spoiled kid? How many have ever seen that? An entitled kid that's had everything given to him, never worked, looks down on everybody, and you're like, hey, I'm going to give you all my fortune. You'd be an idiot. You really would. And I'm being nice. Because that would do nobody any good, would it? Let's look at some of these words real quick. Discipline. <clears throat> This is where the word padei in the Greek. It means to provide instruction with the intent of forming proper habits of behavior. We could stop there. This Greek word means, let me read it again, provide instruction with the intent of forming proper habits of behavior, providing guidance for responsible living of rearing and guiding a child toward maturity. Padei is a broad term signifying whatever parents and teachers must do to train, correct, cultivate, and educate children in order to help them develop and mature as adults. 
So he's using that word to talk to mature people physically who are new Christians. So he's talking to adults and saying, you have to be trained on how to behave as a Christian. And how is the way that he does it? Through hardships. Who has hardships? Everybody. Not just Christians. It's just we're being asked to react to a father that loves us, which means we react totally different than the world to hardship because we understand it's the discipline that builds character. You say, man, I wish there'd be a period of time in my life where there was no hardship. I don't think you're going to find it. I think this world that we live in will always have hardship. Why? Because if we didn't have hardship, we'd be the spoiled kid, right? And we'd want to live right here. We wouldn't need God at all. We wouldn't need to have faith or trust in God. So that's why God has allowed a world that at one time didn't have hardship. But for now, it will because it builds character in us. It teaches us how to be mature Christians. Here's another word. It says, it says discipline seems bad at the time. Dokeo is a word that means to think, and based on what you think, that's what it is. Okay? So when you're a child and you get spanked, what do you think? And so this is a time and place thing. You're presently in it. You're presently in the physical spanking, right? And there's no way in that moment to properly evaluate what is happening to you. And what he's asking you to do is there's a cloud of joy underneath this that you have to be careful to remember or you won't recognize it. Because it's natural that it seems like there's nothing good in this. Can you see where a child would think and it would seem and the reality would be that there's nothing good in this? <laughs> I've been there. How many have been there? Not a good one good thing in this. What's the deal with this spanking thing? You know? And so what he's telling you is you're going to have the same reaction as a child when you go through hardship. You're going, it's going to seem like you're going to be disoriented. You're going to look around and you're going to say, this is harsh, this is bad, nobody loves me. But then at some point you're going to mature and you're going to realize all those times with discipline, it actually really did hurt him more than it hurt me. Do you think God is showing you that he's a loving father that doesn't like hardship, but that's how he's disciplining him, disciplining you. And, and you know, he's a father, I believe, in his heart says, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And when you're going through it, you can be in the moment. And I'm, what I'm asking you to do is don't be in the moment, mature, and see the little cloud of joy that's underneath it. And just begin, begin to mature. You know, you mature to a point. Uh, I'm still not spanking my 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. All right, I'm definitely not spanking a 20, what are you right now? 25-year-olds, all right. Do you understand there comes a point where they recognize and they respect the fact that you discipline them, but I can't discipline them anymore after that. You know, I've sent them in the right direction and I went the right way, so there's a point where your maturity gets where you understand. And you say, you know what, I'm so glad I had a parent that disciplined me. And I'm so glad I went through that. And there comes a point where you're just mature in Christ. And hardships come through, and it's not so much a spanking anymore. You know, it's more like an experienced mind that just says, hey, you know what, I understand, God. You know, this situation that's in front of me, I hate it. I hate that I'm in this situation. I hate that I'm trapped in this situation. But I'm going to focus every day. In fact, I'm not going to say this. I'm going to focus every day on doing, being very careful. I find myself some days just saying, God, help me like almost every 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I constantly am saying, hey, Lord, help me. Help me. I'm not going to make it. Help me. Help me do this. Help me do that. Help me do this. And you get to a certain point where 
Dad's no longer spanking you. Dad's helping you through the hard times because you've already been spanked. Does that make sense? And that's what God wants. God wants you to love Him so much that you thank Him for all the hard times you went through. Some of you are still bitter. You're still bitter and you're still angry like He's a natural dad and He's not. He's not a natural dad that's harsh. He's not a natural dad that's bad. He's not a natural dad that abandons you. But when you go through hard times, that's how you treat Him. You're going to abandon me. You don't like me. You're, you don't make good decisions for my life. And what we need to do is go back and thank God. Say, you know what, God, in fact, I had a quote. Listen to this. It's not always just God bringing you through something you don't deserve. Listen to this quote. G. Campbell Morgan said, We cry too often to be delivered from the punishment instead of the sin that lies behind it. We're anxious to escape the things that cause us pain rather than the things that cause God pain. How many of you know that there's a lot of things we go through and God's just trying to humble us? God's trying to remove those things that are dangerous in our heart and our life. And, and uh, man, I can't tell you how pleased I am the many crushings that God has given me. And you say, well, what happened? Did the heavens open and, you know, did He do this? Or no, He put me through hardship. And I endured it and I still loved Him and I still thanked Him. And still, you know, and you say, were you always like that? No, there was times I shook my fist at Him when I was younger. And still, when He turns the heat up too high, I'm like, still kind of like, yeah, you know. <laughs> but God's maturing. And so everybody understands that God is... Maturingness, and like I said, the temperatures are at different levels, and some of those things that you're praying for God to remove, He can only do through hard times. And you say, well, man, isn't God going to give me good things in this life? God's thinking about eternity. You know, we're thinking about our 401k or our retirement or, you know, our bank account or, you know, our car or house. And God's saying, you know what? My mind's going a little bit further than that. I'm thinking about your life and I'm thinking about eternity. And so God is just trying to really do a work in us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet, worship team. Praise the Lord. When you preach a message, you always um, finish with a challenge. You know, you always want to make sure you challenge everybody you know, according to that message that God's put on your heart. And so my challenge is, you say, well, man, how can you challenge me here in the sanctuary against hardship? I can't. <laughs> I can't challenge you here and do anything here for hardship. But what I can do is build your faith in a certain way to understand that, number one, it's going to come. And when it comes, accept it. Just accept it. Change the things you can, the things you can't. Put in God's hands. Just, just trust God through it and, and don't get upset and don't get emotional and don't, get, um, don't play it out in your head how it's going to turn out. Just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what I can, but I can't do any more. I'm going to put it in your hands. Pray, sometimes even fast. And then eventually it goes away. And then you learn from that experience of that chastening. Does that make sense? I'm going to learn from the chastening. God does love me. God puts everybody through this because He wants everybody to be His son or His daughter. But some people won't accept it. Some people won't receive it. Some people have been taught falsely that, hey, I'm going to float to heaven on a cloud. And if they believe that, then I have to find something to do with Hebrews chapter 12 and a high percentage of the rest of the Bible. Oh, in fact, I didn't even do this. They're getting ready anyway. I want you to see how God treated His children that He loved. I don't see, I didn't see that in my notes. Moses. What was God's call on Moses' life? To deliver the children of Israel from bondage. To lead them. Moses in the palace is not leading people through a wilderness. Moses in the palace was soft, well-educated. 
Um, very nice looking, according to history. Spoke very well, was very articulate, was very strong. But God needed to train his son. He loved Moses. How many think he loved Moses? In fact, he says uh, other prophets he spoke to in different ways, but Moses, he spoke to him face to face because he was his friend. Now, what if God said that about you? I mean, come on, he loved Moses. Okay, so what happens to Moses? Moses, in his own good-looking strength, kills an Egyptian for trying to beat an Israelite, becomes a fugitive, goes to the wilderness, the same wilderness he would lead the children of Israel in one day. God makes him into a different person, a rugged person with rough hands, who knew the wilderness, who was also still well-educated enough to write the first five books of the Bible and made him what he needed him to be. He wasn't soft on him. He disciplined him in the wilderness and did not explain. To our knowledge, he never explained to Moses why he was on the backside of the desert for 40 years. But when God found him and called him to do what he originally wanted his son to do, you know what he says to him? He says, I can't go, I stutter. I can't speak in front of people. He was so humble because God loved him and trained him. Joseph, spoiled kid visions of being a leader and his family bowing down to him God had a call in his life God loved him he had a beautiful jacket he would wear everybody hated him way too soft to be the more powerful than the pharaohs of Egypt God takes Joseph and after he gives him a promise on his life how many think he loved Joseph he loved Joseph that was his son he's proud of Joseph Joseph gets his call. Next thing he finds out, he's sold into slavery by his brothers, put in a dark, wet prison. All right? He's prison now. He's prison tough now. The Bible says God put iron in his bones. Comes out, works for Potiphar, perfectly loyal and faithful, gets accused of rape, gets put again. Well, actually, this is the prison stint. God preserves his life, brings him out, and now he's going to use him for what he has called to do. To my knowledge, in the Bible, there's no record that God ever told him why he was in, why he was in prison. God never told him why he was sold into slavery. God never told him those things. He trusted him. And through hardship, he trained his son. He said, well, what about Jesus? Oh boy, I'm glad you asked. How many think he loved his son? How about you being born in Deaconess Hospital and all the children in Evansville are murdered because they're trying to get to you? (laughs) Then you're born by a virgin mother in a sailor's seaport where they say he would have definitely been made fun of as being an illegitimate child. He moved from Bethlehem to Sea of Galilee to Egypt, constantly moved to new areas. Had a rough life. His dad probably died when he was young, right? And then he was mocked. I mean, he was there everywhere he went in his ministry. They wanted to kill him. This is his own son, by the way. That's hardship. How many know that? Son of man didn't even have a place to lay his head. Dies the harshest death probably any person has ever endured, and that's a son. He trained him to do what he called him to do. He was obedient and loved the Father for it. That's our examples, church. And I can't make that happen here, but when you walk out those doors, guess what's going to happen? You're going to take a ride on the ship called hard. Hardship. Right? And we're going to be ready. We're going to grow through it. We're not going to doubt. We're not going to fear. We're not going to look to the left or the right. We're going to say, God, go through this with me. You brought it. Let's figure out what we we need to learn. Let's just worship the Lord. message fatherly correction 
Sometimes when you get into the area of discipline, you get a lot of emotions, you know, because there are fathers that make mild mistakes, some make serious mistakes. And you have people that have uh, had angry people disciplining them. And so it brings up negative things when you talk about spankings and discipline and not good things. This message is about good things. And one thing I've found as a father, you're not going to believe this, but I've given very few spankings over the years. And most of the things I've done as a loving father is fatherly corrections. Because, you know, they may have uh, some money and they may spend it in a really odd way or a deal with money in a real funny way and you just want to correct that so they have a good understanding of money for the rest of their life or they may talk to somebody a certain way and you just gently correct them because you know that you don't want them to treat people like that the rest of their life and so when you think of God most of it is just fatherly correction It's just God saying, I love you too much to let you continue this way. So let's say that you're having a financial struggle. How many know that God will do fatherly correction with your finances? (laughs) How many have ever been fatherly corrected with finances? How many have ever been fatherly corrected with relationships? Paul has not. You said no? Okay, that's good. Awesome. (laughs) But God will fatherly correct you. You know, you'll have a relationship and it's not working, you know, well. And God will say, hey, you know, I'm trying to change things in you. In them. God, what about them? I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about you. (laughs) I want to change things in you. So so let's pray. Let's pray that God would help us mature in that area. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, as we walk out these doors, Lord. Let us never forget, like the Bible says there, never forget that you address us as a father addresses his son and his daughter. And you will gently correct us, and sometimes, Lord God, it will be hardship. But that's how you discipline, Lord. Help us, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Thank you.